This broadcast of the PJC Media Network seeks to present wholesome, thought-provoking, and entertaining content. However, the views expressed by the hosts of PJC Media are theirs and theirs alone. They do not reflect the views of this network or its affiliates. Please utilize listener discretion. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. Each week, we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about. These issues concern children and adults who may be autistic, have Asperger's, or have mental disorders of any kind. We will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons. Now, let's start the show. Good evening, good evening, and thank you for coming tonight, and we're going to talk about November being National Adoption Month, okay? So I'm thanking you for coming tonight because we're going to talk about the children that get, um, you know, adopted. And then some of them don't. So we know that through uh, November is the time to start celebrating on upcoming holidays. And, of course, one of them is our Thanksgiving. And this is an important month as well as those concentrated efforts that are made to ensure that awareness is raised without adoption. Charities that support adoption and adoptees, adoption agencies, and highlight the work being done by adoption professionals around the country. Though I think it's critical to celebrate adoption every day and year-round, I do understand that like any awareness month, Focusing on adoption in November gives us the opportunity to celebrate those working in adoption and children who have been adopted. With the rise of social media, Awareness Month really do bring a lot of information and ways to donate and help to our fingertips. The history of natural National Adoption uh, Month. It has been of our country's history since it began. Adoption used to be, used to not be vocalized as it is now. It's important to understand this in order to see how far we've come and how those who were adopted prior to being more transparent might have had difficulties. In 1976, Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis initiated Adoption Week for his state, which became quite popular. It became uh, became so popular, in fact, that President Ronald Reagan initiated a National Adoption Week in 1984. However, due to state celebrations and the awareness that adoption was receiving President Bill Clinton proclaimed National Adoption 
Mock in 1995. So there, that's some history of how it got to be a month. Thank you, Bill Clinton. And I want to introduce my host, Mr. Coleman. Good afternoon, Jenny White. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Great, great. I'm glad to uh, uh, have 70 degrees in uh, November. <laughs> Was it 70? Well, it's supposed to get supposed to have gotten up to 70. I saw, saw it on the car. So it might have. Well, it, it wasn't that bad. I don't know what was, that means <laughs> by it being nice in November, but we shall see. I uh, noticed yeah. that our guest is not here right now, but if anybody wants to say something about National Adoption Month, they can say it. You just press your uh, one on your phone, and then we can talk about it. Because I I don't know a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people <clears throat> want to adopt people. They say they do, okay, but when they get the kids and they don't treat them right. I'm not saying that's all of them, but some of them do. And and I think that some kids have been so hurt before that they don't, um, they don't like being with other people. You know, I know... Um, a young man, his mother was just dogging him out. And, you know, he was kind of talking any kind of way. And, and young boy, too. And he was cussing and gagging on. But uh, that's what his mother was doing. And she didn't have feed him. And she would go and leave him alone. And something happened. And I think she died for whatever reason. And the young man went to stay with his uh, dad and his grandmother. And at first, you know, he didn't know. So he kept doing what he was doing. And they had to straighten him up. And now he is such a nice young man. And do you know when his mother died, he still has not cried a tear, not one tear, and is having a great time with his grandmother, his dad, and his cousins, and it is, I mean, to just to see a child turn like that, you know, just turn. And, you know, he could have gone another way. He could have gone another way. So, but that wasn't, um, that wasn't an uh, adoptee. 
that was his dad, but you know, uh, it's just I, I don't know, I don't know. But then you have those other ones that uh, I know of another young man, and he's young. He's about seven and eight, and he cuffs like, uh, and he lives with his father. <laughs> and he just, I mean, he cusses like crazy, but I guess that's because his dad does. But anyway, uh, he gets kicked out of school uh, every other week. I hate to say every week, but I just say every other week. And I'm talking about a seven or eight year kid. He gets kicked out of school regularly because he's always cussing. And that's what his dad does. So, and those are two differences because he's with his father and he's acting up. But this other young man, I guess he was just so happy to be with his dad and and saw how they um, took care of him. And it was the difference between that and what his mother was doing. So, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, He's a nice kid. Now that he's with his dad, the other one is with his dad and cussing crazy, and he gets kicked out of school. I don't know how much of learning that he's getting, and I really don't know if he will graduate at the rate he's going, but he's supposed to be um, with a uh, counselor now. So I don't know. I don't know. So if anyone has something to say about a national adoption month. And not only that, if you have something else that you would like to talk about, hey, let's get it on. Let's get it on. And maybe you think that you would have had an adoptee maybe a long time ago. You might have thought about it. But would you think about it now or no or just what? So we'll uh, have a intervene right now. And we'll talk about it when we come back. Engaging the culture's imagination through speculative fiction, The Untold Podcast produces audio fiction from a Christian worldview. Find us over at untoldpodcast.com, where we partner with authors to tell science fiction, fantasy, supernatural, and horror stories. Find links at untoldpodcast.com to subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, and a variety of other platforms. Each month we produce high-quality audio fiction that's free to download and free to listen. Our submissions are open, and we're always looking to add another great story to over 24 hours of narrative entertainment. 
Find all of our audio fiction over at www.untoldpodcast.com. Hi, are you a female that's struggling through life trauma and triggers and not knowing how to overcome or how to understand the dynamics of what you're going through so you can be your authentic self? Just know if you are, you're not alone. There's millions of females going through the same problems. And I have helped so many females to overcome the trauma, overcome their triggers, and help them to move forward. So if this is you and you're ready to move forward and take control of your life, give me a call, 714-905-3707. My name is Charmaine Holland. I am a motivated speaker, a spiritual life consultant, a author, and a chaplain. And I am here to help empower women to overcome their life trauma and triggers so they can live their authentic self. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Have a good day. Okay. If you are in need of life insurance, auto or home insurance, or need help in getting out of debt, call your helpful insurance agent at Prime Financial Services. Did you know if you add a child rider to your life insurance policy, you can add multiple children for the price of one, starting at $10,000 worth of coverage for under $10. Call today for a free quote at 313-293-0979. Mention you heard this ad on this show for a free gift. Just tuned in to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Jenny White. Join Jenny every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for great guest commentary, interviews, and so much more right here on PJC Media. All right. Well, now we're talking about, um, oh, our guest is here. Jenny. Yes. Hi, how are you? This is Missy Parker Miller. Okay, Miss Parker. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm oh, so sorry. I could not find the, the number. I had trouble with that. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. We're waiting mm-hmm. for you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Okay, and you can start by telling us a little bit about you. <laughs> all righty. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you so much for having me on the show. I greatly appreciate that. Um, I am Missy Parker Miller. I'm a recruitment specialist with Bethany Christian Services. Um, Bethany is a Christian child welfare agency. Um, Our national office is right here in Michigan, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but Bethany is a global organization. So we have 113 offices around the United States, and we offer child welfare services in 17 countries around the world. Um, Also, um, even though I work at Bethany, and Bethany is a child welfare agency, Working there is not just a job for me. It's very personal. Bethany focuses on foster care, foster care adoption, 
and um, our independent living program, Safe Families for Children. Um, but I'm also a foster and adoptive parent. So it's very personal to me, the work that I do. So um, I look forward to sharing with your audience um, the needs that exist in child welfare and, and hoping that maybe some of your listeners today will be open to um, helping to meet that need. Um, so, yeah, for right now, um, like I said, I am a foster and adoptive parent. Um, my husband and I did foster care for 10 years. We had three birth children at the time that we did foster care. They were seven, four, and one. And then we ended up adopting four of our foster children. So I like to share with families um, my journey um, that foster parenting can be very challenging, but it's also extremely rewarding. And it can help to make such a tremendous difference in our community, in our society. You know, we say, most people say they want to, you know, make a positive impact in the world. And so what better way to do that than to um, embrace a child that's been hurting and help that child to heal and make a positive difference in that child's life? And as we know, we talk all the time about children are our future. And so what better way to help us to have a better future than to help some of our children who are hurting? So um, I do think um, looking at foster care in that way and adoption from that perspective um, puts it in a much better light than than our society usually presents us in because um in the media and everything, foster care is looked upon in a very negative fashion. So I hope we can um, change some of that tonight by our talk tonight. Okay, and I agree. So how many children have you had? Um, in terms of the children that came through our home, um, during those 10 years, probably a, a approximately 35 or so children. Um, so foster care, again, children coming into foster care are supposed to be children who've been abused or neglected. So um, with drugs in our society and individuals with mental health issues, it's very unfortunate, but a lot of our children are in very um, horrific situations where they are being harmed and um, they need to come into state foster care where they can be in a home prayerfully where they are no longer being harmed and they can begin to heal. Um, so for my family, we did um, take in probably about 35 children. And the goal of foster care, though, is for those children to be reunited with their birth parents or relatives once we work with the families, the birth families, to help them overcome whatever brought those children into foster care. So if they're dealing with a, a drug issue or domestic violence or things like that, um, part of the work of the agency is working with the birth families to give them the resources and services that they need and support them to help them to overcome those issues so that the children can return home um, because we know that is the best outcome for the children is for them, if the parents overcome, um, for them to be able to go back 
go into a healthy situation, the best outcome is for them to return back to their birth family um, or at least with a relative that loves them and, you know, is able to provide for them. Well, how long did you keep one of your kids? Well, with foster care, the um, average placement is somewhere between probably two and a half to three years. But you can also take in children more like on an emergency basis. So there may be some children that would only be in our home for maybe a month or six months or something like that until a relative was um, found that was willing to take the child. So some of the children were in our home, say, anywhere from a couple of months to six months. Then oh, other children, okay. Yeah. Oh, I was and wondering. I, yes. Go ahead. I was just thinking that you keep a child for years. Well, yeah, they're, they're the four that we adopted, <laughs> they have been in our home for three years. And with the way the foster care system works is if the birth parents are not able to overcome whatever brought those children into care, so like I said, if they have a drug issue or something like that and they have not been able to overcome that problem, after about two and a half to three years, the courts are going to say we need to go ahead and terminate parental rights because what we do know is that it's not good it's not good for kids to just grow up in foster care. So, you know, we're working towards reunification with the birth family, but if after about two years or so it's looking like the birth family is not going to be able to overcome, to be stable enough to be able to provide, you know, housing and they have stable employment and, and stable enough to parent and all of that, if it looks like that's not going to happen, then the um, courts will say we need to terminate parental rights. And then as a foster parent, if you have those children in your home and the parents' parental rights are terminated, you as the foster parent have the first option to adopt. So our children who've been with us for like three years, we that happened. Their parents' parental rights were terminated, and they were part of our family at that point. You know, they've been with us for three years. So when we were asked if we wanted to adopt them, the answer, of course, was yes. You know, they're they're already part of our family, and you know that it was that was just a, a natural progression if they were not able to return home. So, so how, um, how did your children uh, take it? Well, to be honest, my children were the ones who got us involved in foster care in the first place. Oh. <laughs> they were, um, my two daughters were seven and four at the time, and they we were watching like a documentary on foster care. And the kids, uh, they were watching that, and they got very emotional, very involved, and was asking us why aren't we helping the children? You know, we have a home and we can love the children and we want to help the children, <laughs> you know, all of that. And so after seeing that, we sat down with them and explained to them what we knew about foster care and to see if they really, that's something that they would be okay with us doing. And they said yes. And so we investigated more and 
um, went to a foster care agency, went to orientation, and ended up becoming licensed foster parents. But we talked with our children throughout the entire process. And like I said, the two older ones were girls. My youngest was a year old, and he was a little boy. And um, my girls were like, um, you know, yes, we're willing to share, you know, our time and our rooms and our toys and all of that, you know, with uh, foster siblings. And so um, the deal was, though, because they did make it very clear they didn't want anyone older than them. So since my son was just a year old, we really just took in babies. And because my daughters were seven and four, they were like, you know, second mommies to the babies that we took in. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. So they, yeah, they were very helpful. Um, a very, I think the character qualities that children learn, if you become a foster family and you have children, those character qualities of teaching your children to be loving and kind and sharing, they learn all of that by opening their their heart and their homes to these strange children coming in. You know, these are kids that aren't related to them. You know, we don't know them before they come into our home. Um, but my children were very, um, they were very helpful and very loving, very kind, like I said, with the children. Um, but we did only take in babies, so I know for a lot of people that does make a big difference. Um, and so, but our children did adjust very well, and um, the children that we adopted, they're the brothers and sisters. You know, they um, we're a very close family. They're all adults now. <laughs> and oh, all wow. And very well. So I do speak from a perspective of I've been through the journey, I I know some of the pitfalls with the system. I know um, some of the behaviors and things that you do have to deal with as a foster parent or adoptive parent. But I also know that the journey is so worth it because the children, our children are very resilient, whether they're birth children, adopted children, foster children. Kids are very resilient. And so if they're in a bad situation, and they can be removed from that situation and placed in, like with foster care, placed in a loving, nurturing, stable home environment, those children can heal. So I've seen that over the years. I've seen it with my own children that we adopted. Because all of my children that we, um, that the ones that we adopted, three of the ones that we adopted were all born drug exposed. Crack was very big back in the 90s when we started fostering. And um, crack cocaine, our, our children were born um, exposed to crack cocaine, and my daughter that we adopted um, had fetal alcohol syndrome. So um, it's things that you learn. We didn't know anything about, you know, uh, I guess you say dealing with the effects of, of a drug-exposed baby. or We didn't know anything about fetal alcohol syndrome. But like you will with your own birth child, when, when you find out what the problem is, then you do your research, you, you go and get whatever help, whatever services are needed to help that child be the best they can be. And so that's just what we did with our foster and adoptive children. And like I said, they're all doing very well now. 
Um, it was a, it was an incredible journey. It really was because I experienced things that had I not been a foster adoptive parent, I never would have experienced those things. Um, and so I do think it's like the Lord stretches you out of your comfort zone um, because it truly is a, it's a faith walk because initially you really don't know what all it is you have to deal with. But that's the same with parenting anyway. You know, you if you have give birth to a child, you you know, you may not know what um struggles or whatever you may have with that child, but as a parent you love them and you do whatever's necessary to help them be the best that they can be. So um that's the deal with fostering and adopting. You are parenting someone else's child, but it's still parenting. So you didn't have any type of uh, problems with the children? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> there were various challenges with the children. Um, as I said, they were all born drug exposed. So my one son was diagnosed as being, um, what was it, oppressive personality disorder. So he was a baby that never smiled. I don't know if you can imagine having a baby that never smiled or kind of never laughed or anything. Um, So with him, we had to do a a lot of work with him. They told me he was mildly retarded and um, just all kinds of things. But what, what we found out really was that they may be diagnosed with various, um, you know, psychological ailments and things like that. But, I still, I'm a Christian. I guess I should make that clear. And because I'm a Christian, I believe that the Lord would give us the insight or whatever we needed to be able to parent the children to be the best parents for the kids. And I believe that's what the Lord did. So, like I said, when we had an issue with a child, um, it was it was learning about that. Okay, what is oppressive personality disorder? What do I have to do? And it was really just about pretty much loving him and not giving up on him, advocating for him at school because he um, that personality disorder is is kind of where he didn't he would only do what he wanted to do. So it, it was very interesting with school and stuff like that. Like I said, my struggles with my daughter with fetal alcohol syndrome. I didn't know what that was. So we had to get her tested a lot. We thought that she was deaf because she didn't respond to loud noises when she was a baby. And so, again, we're going to the doctors. We're trying to find out what's going on. They ended up telling us that, well, because of the drugs and alcohol her mom used, it mimicked deafness. She was not deaf. Physiologically, she had everything in place. She needed to be able to hear but because the drugs and alcohol is like it messed up the wiring for that, and so it mimicked deafness for her. But that still affected her ability to her language development, you know. So when it's time for her to get ready for school, we had to do um, put special resources in place for her, had neurological tests done to find out exactly what her issues were. And then, like I said, get the services that she needed um, to help her to be successful. So my youngest son that we adopted, he was born at six months gestation. So he only he only weighed a pound at birth. 
He'd been on a respirator. His retina detached in his right eye. He'd had hernia surgery, so he was considered medically fragile. So we brought him into our home. And, again, just learning all this stuff with him, the various surgeries we had to have with him, medical trauma and how that affects the child. That's a whole new arena. You know, I hadn't considered the uh, trauma a child experiences when they're a baby and all these medical procedures and things are done on them if they don't understand what's happening. But that also traumatizes the child. So he had a lot of issues, especially as a teenager, as a result of that, that we had to walk with him through, you know. So um, there, there's been a lot. <laughs> but um, through it all, like I said, as a parent, you just kind of step in and you do what needs to be done to advocate for your children and to make sure that they're getting the help that they need. And so that's what we did. Uh, that's really interesting with the kids having uh, illnesses and things like that, and you still kept going with the kids. That's really something. Oh, do, do you think you would have done that had you not had a uh, husband? Um, that's a very good question. <laughs> Um, because um, I ended up having to do it as a single parent. Um, when the children that we adopted were five, seven, and nine, my husband died suddenly. Um, no. He had an aneurysm, and he died. No. So I was left with six children, um, and like I said, the youngest ones that we had adopted were five, seven, and nine. So I ended up having to step in as a single parent and still all the things that I just shared with you, the advocacy that I had to do, the just, you know, meeting the needs of the kids and all that, I had to do as a single parent. So, again, I say God gives you what you need to be able to do what you got to do. <laughs> so your mama and you got these children, yes, your husband died, their dad died, very traumatic time for us, and it was sudden, so we were not prepared for it. Very devastating to our family. Um, but, again, we had a wonderful support system. Our extended family, our church family rallied around us and really helped us to to move forward, you know, to keep going. So, um, so even as a result of that, the trauma of the children not only being adopted, but then losing um, their dad, you know, still at very young ages, um, God has still, I believe, uh, filled in the void and has still allowed them to have um, very fulfilled lives. And as I said, they're, they're all doing well now. They're not all rocket scientists, <laughs> but, but they're doing good. They're in school. They're working. My daughter with the fetal alcohol syndrome is married with two little boys oh, and wow. doing a great job. You know, parents, she's doing a wonderful job parenting them. So, um, you know, it's just it's been a journey. And that's the one thing I hope people will get from this is that it has been such a – uh, exciting, adventurous, you know, kind of journey. Um, and so I'm very thankful that it was a, a path that we decided to go down. So I do want to say that you can be a foster parent if you're single. You don't have to be married to be a foster parent. You can be single. 
Okay. Well, Ms. Uh, Ms. Well, Ms. Miller, my, my name is Maceo, uh, one of the co-hosts. Um, hi. And, uh, hi. And, uh, you know, great story, very inspirational story. Yeah. Uh, now, I just w- wanted to ask you as far as uh, what's some of the criteria for adopting children? Can you adopt children if you're in a uh, same-sex rela- uh, relationship, uh, two men or two women? Can they adopt uh, children? Yeah, the criteria to be a foster or adoptive parent, and let me make it clear, you do have to foster first right now to to be able to adopt. So you have to become a licensed foster parent because in doing that, um, you receive a lot of training. You get experience with the child welfare system. And um, we found out over the years that it's much better for a family to have that fostering experience and then adopt. Instead of just years ago, you could just go straight adoption. But we know that doesn't work well. So you do have to foster first. You just have to be 18 years old. Like I just said, you don't, and you don't have to be married. You can be single um, to be a foster parent. Um, you can be in a same-sex relationship. Um, let's see. Well, you don't have to own your own home either to foster. A lot of people think that. Um, you can be in an apartment, renting an apartment, a condo, a mobile home. That's fine. As long as you have room for the child, that's fine. And room for the child means the child has to have their own bed. So like in my situation, we had three children already. We fostered three children. So we ended up having three girls and three boys. Three girls were in one bedroom, three boys were in the other. That was just fine. You just had to have 40 square feet per person, and every child had to have their own bed. They didn't have to have their own bedroom. They just had to have their own bed. Okay, so, and then you just, you cannot be on the child abuse or sexual abuse registry. So as long as you meet that basic criteria, you can apply to be a foster parent. Now, do you, um, as a foster parent, do you receive uh, assistance from the state? Yes, you do. Foster care is a state-funded program. They're actually federally-funded program. But um, so the money comes um, from the state, and it it's about seventeen ninety four a day. So for an average child, that averages out to about $500 a month. So you get a monthly stipend for room and board for the child. That's a basic rate, so depending on what other behaviors or services and things you have to do for the child, it can go, it goes higher from there. So like my son that I told you that was born medically fragile, I got three times as much money for him a month as I did for my other son that didn't have those issues. So the $500 a month is like a base rate. Um, but it, it, it goes up in levels depending on what behaviors and things you have to work with. And the children also come with Medicaid, so their medical and dental expenses are covered. And then if, like I shared earlier, the child's parents' parental rights are terminated and you adopt that child, that's considered adopting a child out of foster care and there's no cost to you to adopt a child out of foster care. So, and also you continue to get the monthly stipend 
um, that you got as a foster parent. You continue to get that as an adoptive parent, but it's called adoption subsidy. So that, again, makes it to where it doesn't have to be that much of a financial burden for a family to take in another child. And you continue to give that adoption subsidy until the child turns 18. Very good. Now, um, with that being said, um, what's the percentage of uh, African-American children, black children being adopted compared to other children? Well, now this has to do with, of course, the the racial disparity that exists in our country, period, okay? So that also exists in the child welfare system. It's it's very unfortunate that children coming into foster care, about 70% of those children are children of color, first of all. So, and then about 60% of the kids who come into foster care because the parents are either, you know, dealing with drug issues or mental health issues, they're not able to overcome those issues to get the children back. About 60% of those kids do not go back home. So that means these children do come up for adoption, and the majority of them are adopted by their foster families. But to answer your question as well, majority of our foster families are suburban families. So um, most of them are Caucasian. So that means that the the black children coming into care are being placed in uh, white suburban homes or rural homes. So it's very unfortunate because, I mean, we're happy that they have a family but not being able to place them back in their community means that they're traumatized all over again, okay? So yeah. I do want to let your audience know we really need more black families to step up and be willing to be foster and adoptive families so our children won't be traumatized a second time. What's the age for uh, uh, foster children? Children come in and care from as newborns all the way to age 17. At 18, a child ages out of foster care, and that's where our independent living program comes in. So if you're a person who loves teenagers or loves young adults and you have a room that you would be willing to rent to them and and become a mentor to a young person, then we have our independent living program that you could be a provider for. And you don't have to be licensed to be an independent living um, home provider. We just run clearances on you and do a home study, um, but you don't have to be licensed. And so this is a tremendous help to our young people who will be aging out of foster care because that's very sad because then they're entering to adulthood kind of just with no support, no family support, just kind of on their own. And it's a very, very scary place to be. But if you would be an independent living provider, you become like a mentor to that young person. And um, so anyway, it's, it's a tremendous program if you have individuals who might be interested in doing that. Now, as an independent living provider, um, is that subsidized if uh, you were to rent uh, some space or rent a room to a 
to a uh, foster child that they aged out? Is there some assistance um, for them? Right. The young, yeah, the young person will pay you rent. So they're actually renting a room from you. And then the mentoring part and all of that will just be your, you know, you're doing that out of because of your concern for the child. But um, the child, the young person would pay you rent every month out of the stipend that they receive from the state. Okay. And young okay. people who are aging out of foster care, they do get a lot of help from the state. You know, their college tuition is paid for. The um, tuition incentive program will help cover their uh, college tuition. They can get help with um, all sorts of other things, apartments, cars, car insurance, all of that. So there's a lot of resources out there, but it's still they could use that family support, you know, somebody that they know they can count on this in their corner. And that's what an independent living provider and like a mentor would be to that person. Now, what happens uh, if a foster child becomes pregnant in the system? Um, Good question. <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of the same as, you know, in any situation, you know, if they're in a foster home, you know, and the foster parents and the young the child, you know, you talk about what you want to do kind of thing and, you know, if they're going to parent the baby, if they're going to um, put the baby up for adoption, if they're going to, you know, and there are programs to help young women who who are pregnant who need assistance, you know, so, um, but there isn't anything I'm going to say particularly set up differently for a foster child who got pregnant than it would be for any young girl who got pregnant. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, I'd just like to uh, tell the callers if anyone has a question for our guest, uh, Ms. Miller, uh, regarding uh, foster parents or adopting uh, children in the foster system, uh, just press your one on the phone, and we'll you'll be connected and be able to answer, ask her any questions or share your experiences. Um, so, is there is uh, there anything that you would do differently, um, being a uh, adoptive parent now that you've gone through it and, and you're working in the system? Uh, is there anything that you would have done differently? Um, the only thing, and, and this has changed now, when I was a foster parent, there was no training on dealing with the behaviors and things of the children, but there's training now. I, I do, I facilitate a training called Trauma-Informed Parenting, and it it does a lot to help. To, to give foster parents the tools, equip them to be effective foster parents, how to get up underneath the behaviors of the children and respond appropriately. So I wish I'd had that training when I was a foster parent, but we are providing that now, and that makes a big difference in um, in helping the children. Because like I said, the children can heal, but you cannot foster, you cannot parent a foster child the way you would a typical child because a typical child has not experienced the abuse or the neglect, the trauma that a foster child has experienced. So we have to give you what we call a new parenting strategy um, to help these children, and that's where the trauma-informed parenting training um, comes in. 
So that's the biggest thing that I would say um, I would have changed had, you know, they had that training when I was doing it, but we do have it now. So um, that is awesome. And I wish I had the ability to adopt all of the kids who came through my home because <laughs> there were some children that we didn't adopt whose parents' parental rights were terminated, and I wish we would have adopted them as well. Um, really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> that That's the hard thing. And so I know a lot of people say, you know, I don't see how you could do that because I get too attached and, and I couldn't let them go. And, and I understand that. It is very hard. Um, but another good thing now is that, even if a child is returned home or goes to a relative, um, you can continue the relationship with that child and, and be like a godparent or auntie, uncle, what have you. You can continue to have the relationship with the child. You know, of course, okay. if the birth parent or the relative is in agreement. But normally that's not a problem. And I know that's what happened with us. Some of our kids who did the the young people who did um, leave and, and were adopted by other families, we remained um, um, connected with them, you know. Um, and so that is available. So I tell people, don't let that be the reason you don't foster because you feel like I just couldn't, you know, attach to them and then they leave. You can still continue that relationship and continue to have a very positive impact in that child's life. So, um, it's much better to step up and to to be involved with them and don't worry about, well, what if they leave? Okay, that's um, very good. We have a caller who would like to say something. How you doing, caller? Hi, this is Dorothy. I have a question. Okay. I had a okay. relative. Hi. 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 I had a relative that passed that had two sons that um, were placed in his custody, taken away from the mother. Uh-huh. The, father, the father passed, and now the father's mother has custody of the children. Uh-huh. And she she's calling us, other family members, asking us to give her money for support for the children. So I okay. I know that the state was helping out my nephew, uh-huh. but would that transfer over to the grandmother? That's something that we would have to investigate. We would have to know if the grandmother became like their guardian or did she become a foster parent. There's what we call kinship foster parenting. So um, was, was she, if she was a kinship foster parent, she should still be receiving, you know, that financial help from the state for the children. Um, so it depends. If she, if she just took over guardianship, then that might not be the case. Okay. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. So it's a case-by-case thing, but there are also organizations that can help her if she does need assistance because she took in, you know, um, relative children or what have you, um, there are organizations to help because we do have a lot of, I'm going to say, grandparents and things like that who are fostering their grandchildren, um, but they're doing it without the resources. Like the children didn't actually come into state foster care. They just took the children in. 
and it it is a financial hardship for many of them. So I do know there's an organization or a couple organizations out there to help, and we're trying to get laws passed where um, as a kinship, if you're a grandparent or aunt or something like that and you're taking in a relative, um, you should be able to receive that stipend from the state uh, to help you take care of those children. Okay. okay. I appreciate that. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. We have another caller. And Miss Lucy, you have something oh. to say? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to, uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that um, she's on, that uh, Ms. Parker and Ms. Miller is on. Hey, I remember when I was interested in, I just wanted to, as a single parent, for such a long time, I just wanted a baby boy. That's what I wanted. And I would go to the agency and I would tell them what I wanted. I just wanted a newborn. And they would tell me when I first started that, uh, well, you're a single parent, so we'll give you a child. And I said, well, that's not what I wanted. I wanted uh, like a newborn. She said, no, we're saving the newborns for the married people. Do they still do that? Because <laughs> it was something I got in the car. <laughs> well, after, you know what, it's funny to say. After I got um, uh, a couple of the children, you know, I was taking, I had, I had fostered three children. And yeah. then this new one came in, and she came in, and she says, uh, she had read my case because she says, and um, the next time I saw her, she said, you know what? I got a baby boy for you, and he's at the hospital waiting for you. I said, what? Right. I got three already. I got three already. And she said, now, see there, you went through all them changes. I said, okay, then. So I had to ask my babysitter. She said, bring him on, Lucy, bring him on. So I got what I wanted. And sometimes I wonder, this <laughs> was that short change, you know. Uh, they're grown now. But um, do they still do that? I mean, she kept, they kept, I went to other, uh, you know, services. No, we're going to, you're a single woman. Now we're going to give you a child. You know, I yeah. not have a right to have what I want. And then when I got what I want, <laughs> it was a difference. Yeah. yeah. That's the same one, yeah. Although I kept the four of them and stuff. And now I got okay. four children, four grandchildren. <laughs> but uh, do they Amen. still do that now? Yeah, do they still um, do that now? <laughs> no, because we have so many foster parents that are single. So like I said, you could be single and be a foster parent or married. Um, what we ask you is um, when you fill out your app and you tell us the age range you're interested in and the gender. Um, now, I will say this, is that there's way more school-age children, because our biggest need at Bethany, and this is true for most agencies, is our biggest need for foster parents is for children school-age all the way through, you know, teenagers. So, like, from ages 5 to 17, that's a big age range, you know, versus just 0 to 2 or 3. Okay, yeah. so children come into care at all ages. And so I tell my families, because I do orientation twice a month with Bethany, I tell my families to, if you want a baby, it's much better to make your age range like zero to seven or something like that and be willing to take a sibling group because most children do not come into care as individual children, they come in as, you know, they have three or four brothers and sisters or what have you. So if you can take at least two of those um, siblings, it makes it easier for the, the children coming into care. 
So I said, mm-hmm. you on your application, make your age range like zero to seven and be willing to take um, a sibling group, at least two of the siblings. That way it it's easier to get a younger child because let's say you mm-hmm. might have to, we might call you to take maybe a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And then what happens most of the time is that, I shouldn't say most of the time, but a lot of the time, what happens is birth mom will get pregnant again. And if you have the siblings, let's say you have the two-year-old and the five-year-old, and she's pregnant, when she delivers, if she's still been doing drugs or alcohol and they test her at the hospital and it comes back positive, there's a good chance they're going to bring that baby into foster care. And if they do that and you have the siblings, we're going to call you and ask you, would you take the baby? That's the way most of our families get newborn babies, is that they have siblings, and when birth mom gets pregnant again, baby's born, baby comes into care, that baby comes into that family's home. That's really interesting. I have another caller right now. Okay. Hello. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lucy. Well, we thank you too, Lucy. Lucy, but I have another caller. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Hello. Oh yes, hi. This is Charmaine from California. Uh, I have a question for you. Okay. I am a, a chaplain. Uh, I'm a chaplain at the prison, at the woman prison, and I have I come across a lot of young ladies who was in the foster system and who mm-hmm. incarcerated at the moment, and they have children, and whether they have siblings or a family member or a mo- or the, their adopted mother, somebody's taking care of their children. And your prior caller, you mentioned something about organizations can help with some of the expenses. Is, do you, is there a list of organizations that they can look into with families that's taking care of their children in California or, yeah. I guess that's my question. Yeah, I would say check with your state. Like here, our child welfare agency is called um, Department of Health and Human Services. Child welfare comes under that department. And you could ask them what they have available in California or whatever state you live in, um, what funds are available to help, uh, especially kinship um, families, you know, with, um, the financial needs of children that they're looking after. Because it could be different in different states. But if you check with your state, um, like I said, Department of Health and Human Services, most child welfare agencies are under them. They should be able to direct you to what organizations are helping with that in your state. Okay, okay. And, and another question um, I know I know California might be different to where you at, but does it matter where the parent is at for them to assist with the children? For them to do what with the children? To assist, like for instance, does it have to? I mean, like if the mother is incarcerated, is, is, it, is there any stipulations in a organization is helping kin folks who take care of their child? I think that depends on it's different from organization to organization, you know, how they have it set up. So, again, that would be something that would just have to be investigated in whatever state you live in. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for um, answering the question. 
Okay, and thank you for your service in the prisons. Uh, that is so needed. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and thank you for calling, Miss Lady from California. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, darling, anytime. <laughs> okay. So, Lucy, did you have uh, another comment or question? Oh, that, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a biggie. <laughs> I know. I, I, I kept yeah. on from agency to agency, and they kept telling me yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And uh, finally, you know, my sister kept telling me, get into foster care. Get into foster mm-hmm. care. And my foster care children... Basically, all of them can find me. I had about nine foster care children all together. Oh, wow. And the two oldest ones, you know, that I had, I believe they're grown now, but if they wanted to, they could find me. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Well, I would just like to, um, for those who are listening, if you have an interest, in becoming a foster parent. And like I said, you do have to foster first before you can adopt a child. I know a lot of people might be interested in adoption, um, but I would like you to give Bethany Christian Services a call. Um, here in, Mich- in our area, in the Detroit area, we have a Detroit office, a Southfield office, and an office in Flint. And if you're interested, if you would give a call to 248 4080 and just let them know that you're interested in becoming a foster parent and they will register you for an orientation. Orientation is a free meeting um, where we explain what's all involved in becoming a foster parent. We talk about the licensing process and everything. And um, at the end of that, if you like an application packet, we get that to you. Um, And also, if anyone has any questions for me, even after this broadcast is over, um, feel free to email me. Um, My email is dashmiller at bethany.org, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y.org. And I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that you might have. Well, I have a question. Is there an age, a special age that you can have before you uh, try to get a child? Or could you get one if you were kind of uh, in another kind of uh, older age? Yeah. The senior moment group. Say what? The senior moment group. Yeah, there's no age limit to being a foster parent. We do have a lot of grandparents, you know, that wow. have age groups that are fostering. Um, and you don't have to, it doesn't matter how much money you make either. A lot of people think you have to make a certain amount of income or what have you. That is not true. As long as you can pay your bills, you know, and you're financially stable, we don't want people becoming foster parents for the money. That we don't want. But we have people who are foster parents who are on a fixed income, who, you know, have a monthly pension or they're on SSI, they're on disability. They're all foster parents. Because oh, as long wow. as you can pay your bills, 
and you're financially stable, it doesn't matter what the number is as far as how much money you make. So I also want people to know that, that um, you know, you you don't have to be wealthy to be a foster parent. You know, you can be you can be on disability or SSI and still be a foster parent. That's interesting. Mhm. Yep. Yeah. And the age doesn't matter as long as you're 18 years old, and then in the senior group, as long as you're healthy enough to parent, that's fine. So we have a lot of, like I said, grandparents in their 70s, some like that who are grandparents and who are foster parents, and they do a tremendous job. Okay. Because I was going to say turn that 18 around. And if you get somebody to get yes. a shot. <laughs> I can't, I, I have to say 18 because that's the legal age for fostering, <laughs> but I cringe almost every time I say it because there, but there have been some situations where the, a sibling, an older sibling, wanted to take care of their younger siblings. And so okay. at 18, they did become the foster parent to take care of their siblings. So in that situation, you know, I'm glad it's available to them. But, yes. of course, most 18-year-olds are not interested in parenting someone else's kids. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of nice if they want to, you know, be with their sibling. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I really appreciate you coming. You have so much inter. Um, you just have a lot of intelligence <laughs> according to, you know, the, the companies of the children mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, because you were in it. Yeah. So and and I do really encourage families to really think about as I said especially in the black community to please think about becoming a foster parent because so many of our children need stable loving homes and they're very resilient. Our children are very resilient and if you reach out to them and just embrace them and bring them into your home. And, and I know I hear people say all the time, well, I got my own kids I got to take care of. And I said, I understand that. But if you're already parenting, to bring in one more child really isn't going to make that much of a difference. You know, you're already parenting. You're already taking kids to school or, you know, doing extracurricular programs and that kind of stuff. But the difference you can make in that one child's life is is just, there no words you know to really describe that? It, it's what we call priceless. You know the difference you can make in that child's life. So I really encourage families, especially Black families, to consider it financially. The stipend you get every month is a help. The Medicaid does cover medical and dental. Um, I encourage families to become part of support groups. There's support groups all over. They're on Facebook. They're in churches, you know, community centers um, to help foster families connect with other foster families, people who are doing it. Um, So I highly encourage that. But um, a lot of people, I'm hoping they'll just take that first step and come to an orientation, ask the questions that they might have, in regards to fostering, 
And um, it just it can make such a tremendous difference, especially in our community, because in the black community, it would just be nice if we could place more of our black children in black homes rather than them having to be placed out in the suburbs and stuff like that. Again, I, I'm very thankful <laughs> to our suburban and rural families who are fostering and opening their homes to children of all races and ethnicities. I'm very thankful for that because without that, so many of especially the black children would just end up in a group home or something. So I'm very thankful for, you know, families, whether they're in the city or suburbs or wherever they are. But I really would hope more black families would be willing to open their homes um, to children because um, there's so many from the city who really need that to be embraced, you know, and just to be helped through that time of crisis. Well, let me ask you this. Have you had to take children away much What do you mean in terms of children coming into foster care? And being taken out. Being taken out of their homes? Yes. Have you had to take some kids away from people? Yeah, I I don't personally. Child Protective Services is the... um, arm of under child welfare that does that is child protective services and so what people need to realize is with child protective services anyone can make a complaint to child protective services if they believe a child is being neglected or abused they can call in a complaint a neighbor a friend a teacher a doctor anybody who suspects child abuse or neglect can call And if they call Child Protective Services, Child Protective Services has to investigate that call and go and check out the situation. And then if the children are in an unsafe situation, like if if it's two small children and they're left alone, um, no adult supervision is there, many times there's maybe no utilities on or no food, things like that, it's not safe for those children to remain in that situation. So Child Protective Services will then petition the court to bring those children into foster care. So it's two separate arms. You have Child Protective Services, and then you have child placement agencies like Bethany. We receive the calls when the children come into care. We receive the calls to place those children into homes. I was just wondering if you had to ever take any kids away from anybody. Yeah, no, not me personally, no. I just received the children. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I think you uh, did a great job. Well, thank you. Again, I appreciate having the opportunity to share. And um, I want to well, give out a lot of information. Yes. <laughs> That was a lot of information. So if you want to get your phone number, you may right now. Okay. All righty. Thank you so much. Again, my name is Missy Parker Miller. I work with Bethany Christian Services, which is a global child welfare agency. We're actually the largest adoption agency in the country. And if you're interested in becoming a foster parent and you do have to foster first before you can adopt, I would love for you to give us a call. 
Our number is 248-414-4080. And just let them know you're interested in being a foster parent. You can ask for me. My name is Missy. And my email, you can email me directly as well if you like, is mparker-miller at bethany.org. Okay. Appreciate that. So if there are no no more questions, if they aren't, and I think you uh, already did your uh, your uh, speeching before you leave, right? Unless you had something else to say to us. <laughs> No, the the main thing, as I've said, I think a few times tonight, is just to encourage families to look into becoming foster parents, um, especially in the black community, because the need is great. Right now in Michigan, we have over 13,000 children who are in foster uh, care. Uh, and um, of those 13,000 kids, 7,000 of them are from Wayne County. So, again, majority are from um, the metro Detroit area, and we really would love families from metro Detroit to open their hearts and homes to these children. So that's my heart. I try to do a lot of recruitment in Detroit. I would like to say this is that if anyone's listening um, and you have a church home or a pastor um, I would love to come out to your church and do a presentation um, regarding oh, foster wow. care and okay. the need. Um, and I would also do it to community organizations. So either one, community organizations or churches, um, if you'd like for me to come and do a presentation, I would love to come and bring more information on being a foster and adoptive parent and just to educate people because, so many folks have misunderstandings about being a foster parent. Like I said before, some people didn't realize if you were single, you could be a foster parent. Some people didn't realize if you didn't own your home, you could be a foster parent. So all these things, you know, I want to begin to educate our community to let you know, yes, you can still be a foster parent, you know. Um, you don't have to make $100,000 a year to be a foster parent, you know. Um, so people need to know that and then just be willing to take that first step. Okay. Very good. Well, I thank you for coming, and I think the information was very, very needed. And I'm sure someone listening will take it up. So I, I thank you. hope so. <laughs> I stay saying, um, thank you. I appreciate thank that. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. You're welcome. And come back again. I sure will. Just let me know when. <laughs> okay. Thanks. All right. Take care. God bless. You too. Okay. Is there Bye-bye. anyone else that has something they would like to say before we close out? Well, thanks for coming, uh, Ms. Park, Ms. Miller. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Yeah, I think that was great. And thank you, Ms. Lucy, for bringing her (laughs) to us. I think that was really uh, informative. 
But uh, now we're going to close out. I think everybody got uh, something out of the talking about the children and, you know, people taking care of them. I think that was a good thing. So before we go, I would just like to say that you can give you can forgive people without welcoming them back into your life. Apology accepted, but the access is denied. Okay. So with that having been said, I'd like to say thank you guys for coming and for participating. And this is... uh uh, what what is this? This is uh, November, yeah. <laughs> Listen, today was the uh, for the the soldiers and all of them. So uh, it was. It, they were. There was no mail today. I found that out. So anything, mm-hmm. anyway. But uh, I hope everyone had a great day. And I thank you, and I hope you'll come back next Friday, 8 o'clock Eastern. Good night. Have a good, good night. Week. Everyone have a good weekend. Be safe. Thanks so much. Yes. Good night. Good night. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.